The Marlins take the series against the Brewers. They are right in the thick of it. We record this on Monday. It's Monday's episode, and the Diamondbacks have just lost to the Yankees. This is one hell of a wildcard race, and the Marlins are in the thick of it. Six games to go. Can they win them all? This is Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you are listening to the pod, of course, hit subscribe and leave a review. This is your team every day. And thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. It is the Monday episode, 25th of September. Yes, we are still in September. And yes, we are talking about relevant Marlins baseball. There is a YouTube channel also, guys. Make sure you head over there, hit subscribe. Also, if you are watching, you will see, you know the drill by now. It's Monday, and it's the final Monday of the regular season, and the UK GOAT is in the house. Sean Barrett, how are we doing? I'm not too bad. I must be mistaken. I thought this was going to be locked on Yankees. Mm. (laughs) I spent the whole day following along and and watching the game and tweet along with it. Um, I Mm. haven't had time since the final to go and wash that filth off of me. Yeah, that's filth. um, (laughs) <laughs> well, we moved to the Marlins quite quickly and, uh, and actually yeah. that was up a bit. I saw a great tweet, actually, that someone put out just saying just how wild it is that all of a sudden, as a fan base, the Marlins are an off day, the Yankees are playing, they're playing the Diamondbacks, big kind of impact in terms of this wildcard race. And, you know, for us to all be squirreling over to go and watch this random day game happening in New York, the Yankees completely out of it. They've got no fans in the ballpark because it was supposed to be played on Saturday. Delayed game. It was, a, I think, an Aaron Judge bobblehead game. It was a sellout. They get about a thousand fans in there, and somehow the Yankees go on to win it. Just wild. But he's saying just how much of a better fan experience it is to have this feeling in the final week, where we're literally score not just scoreboard watching. We're literally watching our competitors play live, hoping they lose. And right now on Monday, the Diamondbacks have just lost, mate. So this is new. This feels new, right? <laughs> <laughs> Incredibly new, yes. This is not something <laughs> used to late September baseball. I mean, it's mm. going to creep into October. Marlins mm. hopefully that still at that point still be playing relevant baseball in October, the final game of the season. If there's still stakes on that final day, oh, the nerves are going to be mm. huge. Um, but that's why we're fans of baseball, isn't it? And and yep. you know, some of us have been around for far too long to very rarely experience this. So yeah, this is this is a lot of fun for. For me, you, and for everyone that's followed along with the Marlins through the hard times. Yeah, absolutely. I've only known the rebuild, to be honest with you. So, apart from 2020, but this is the first 162 experience. I'm, you know, just sitting back and reflecting on that. I need to tell you about the show sponsor as well in a second. I've, I've gone off script already, but, you know, I'm getting giddy here. But a 162 experience of a team that's kind of in it, what I would say is, boy, oh, boy, you invest a lot of emotion. And a lot of everything in a 162 run where you're like, like the Marlins have been in this all the way. They had the highs, they had the lows, but they've always been kind of like in the wildcard. Clearly, like the division was never in play. But from a wildcard perspective, they've kind of always flowed around that um, since very early on. And so it's been 
what I would describe as a pretty exhausting 1-6-2 because, like, you're living and breathing, like, every game. Like, even those ones in in May, early May. And, like, you're living and breathing it then. And, you know, when you've had to go right through into September and into October, and then, let's hope, a postseason uh, appearance as well. You look back and you think, boy, we've invested a lot into this season mentally, I think, emotionally and I'd, I'd be interested to know the watch hours and the number of tweets during this season too. It'd be pretty high, right? Yeah, I mean, the time alone is obviously we still watch an awful lot of baseball even when the Marlins lose 90, 100 games. It's just mm. the animals that we are. But <laughs> the you, you get a sort of apathy, don't you? Once you get to 80, 90, 100 losses, like you're watching the games, and but how how upset can you be at yet another loss? No, but exactly. Right, every game matters. Every win matters. Every time you win, you think you can go on a run. Every time you lose, you think that's it, season's over. Mm. But your emotions are up and down like a roller coaster for the whole season for yeah. Yeah, six months. It's yeah. By the time we get to the off season, I genuinely think we're going to need an off season. Oh boy. That is right. But I don't want the offseason to come just yet. I don't. I want it to keep on rolling. And the reality is they got six games to go. They're all on the road, which kind of makes me slightly nervous because, you know, I, I, for everyone listening to the show, they know I've called it out last couple of weeks. When the Marlins are home, they're playing really good ball at home. They actually have played great at home all year. Um, it's funny because for a few years, they were just absolutely terrible at home. They couldn't get anything done. But this year in particular, they've played really well. On the road, it's not been quite the same. It's, that does make me nervous, the final week, uh, the final two series on the road. But before we really get into this episode, I better let, better let you know who's sponsoring this episode. Um, my superiors will be shouting at me for uh, for running late on this one. Uh, but this episode is sponsored by Sleeper. And you could swing for the fences on Sleeper Picks, and you could win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to 100 bucks matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. You can check out Sleeper today. More about those guys later on as well, I think, if I have read my my ad reads correctly. Anyway, Sean, the Marlins, they had the Brewers this weekend. And the Brewers had just spanked the Marlins, I would say, uh, in that four-game series just before. Their rotation... It, we were into the teeth of the rotation. Burns heading it up, Woodruff and Peralta. It looked a tough ask. Me and Craig Mish were talking about this series in advance. Craig's view was probably one of three would be okay. You know, Craig's magic number of the final nine was six games. But now they've taken two of three against the Brewers. And they lost the first one emphatically. But in some ways, I think they took the next two kind of emphatically as well in, in in their own kind of different ways. But, you know, it didn't, this series win, It, I think the Marlins deserved it. I think they played overall the better ball, which is impressive considering the Brewers are literally trying to seal the division. I know they pretty much have it locked up. So maybe there's, you know, the foot off the gas a touch, but this felt like, you know, the Marlins needed it. The Brewers wanted it too. The Marlins had to go against probably the best rotation that's active right now anyway, particularly in the NL. And to come out winning two or three, mate, I think this is just, it's a huge result and huge testament to every single member of this Marlins team. And it just sums us up, right? Backs against the wall, no Sandy. Yuri goes down to, you know, bullpen game in there as well. They find a way to get it done. 
Yeah, I mean, this this team has shown through the season how resilient it can be. And I think I'm with Craig as far as I think that's the right amount of wins now. So now it's four four out of six. Go four and two. You've got the you've got mm-hmm. the tiebreaker over both of the two teams in the Cubs and the Diamondbacks. So they're both going to have to go four and two or better. Right, even if they go four and two, then we have the tiebreaker. So I think four and two going from now would be perfect. So those two wins are huge because you you never want to go in chasing five and one because like you can be as confident as you want to be. That's probably unlikely. Yeah. Um, coming off the back of yeah the Mets loss series. Then get absolutely spanked in the first game against the Brewers. Like yeah. at that moment, if you'd asked me how I was feeling about the season, it wouldn't have been very high. No, but, you know, but both Lazardo and Eddie pitched well enough to get the, to get the wins, and the offense did literally just enough as well. Mm. You know, we weren't. I wouldn't be expecting at this point the the pitching or the the, the hitting to be stellar because there's, there's injuries here, they're banged up there. It's yep. this is going to be a grind. If the if the Marlins are going to get to four and two, they could squeak through. Maybe at three and three, they're going to get through to the playoffs right now. They're going to have to grind their way through it because the season it's been long for us as fans, but it's been even longer for the players. We're now seeing the the cost of Sandy throwing all those innings, mm. early pitching all those innings on a young arm, yep. um, Lazardo. Thank God he's still sticking there because his numbers are higher than his career by a long way. Yeah. The Marlins really are stretching the boundaries of what they've got inside this roster. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a grind right now. Yeah, it really is. Like the, the thing is, though, this isn't just like unique to the Marlins, too. As I'm looking around the league, all of a sudden, like the Braves, I think, is a really good example. Like, you know, I was kind of, you know, as I always do, kind of, you know, poke a little bit of fun towards Braves Twitter because it's such a fun fan base to engage with on Twitter. But the funny thing is, is all of a sudden, you know, their rotation is looking a little bit wobbly and they're starting to lose a few games at this point. You know, it's one of those where if you've already sealed everything up with two weeks to go, you take your foot off the gas, the next thing is a few injuries kick in, then you think, man, can you reignite the gas once the postseason comes around? And, and you know, you've got a, a five-game series. You know, okay, I know they're pointing and going and saying, well, hey, what about Max Fried and Spencer Strider? Max Fried's on the IL at the moment. I know everyone's expecting Fried to roll back in and be fine. Strider, whilst he strikes everyone out, still gives up a ton of uh, earned runs. Is I think his ERA is over four. So, you know, he's no guarantee. They've lost Morden. Next thing is I'm looking at the Braves and thinking – they have a, a little wobble here for a couple of games where their offense is cold. They could be bounced. The Bravos could easily be bounced here. And, you know, it's the type of team like against the Phils. The Phils, they have the firepower to bounce the Bravos. Um, not to say that it's guaranteed the Phils will get through, but, you know, a lot of clubs are dealing with it now. I think that's the point. It's like the pitching is being impacted. And I think just overall, like the change of rules, this pace, the pace the pitchers are having to work at, I think probably when we all sit back and reflect on it, it probably is impacting the the healthier and and what's, you know, it's the motion itself is a strain on the body. But when you're having to speed that up, minimizing the amount of recovery time between pitches, it's going to take its toll. I think we're just going to continue to see more, more of this happen. And so I do wonder if maybe in the future, maybe the rules are tweaked again slightly just to give a little bit more recuperation maybe to the pitching um, through this. I don't know. Any, any kind of broader thoughts on that one? I think something's going to have to change because you've got a situation where you've got the starting pitchers going less and less innings. Like 
We talked mm. about Sandy being that unicorn guy that's going to go 200 innings. He's going to go 789. We're now starting to reap that cost a little bit uh, with the injury. And I think going forwards, there is going to be that transition where there are going to be less innings thrown by starting pitchers and more by relievers. And we've seen that trend for the last 10 years. Mm. We've also seen the trend of velocity with pitchers. Everyone's throwing 100, 101, 102, mm. 103. Like, if there isn't a change in some way, whether it's roster sizes or whether the, the league's going to have to do something at a certain point because you can't have your star players getting injured all the time. Yeah. You look at what the NFL did with the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are the, the face of the leagues. You're not allowed to touch them. They're yeah. literally red-shirted, yeah. essentially, to stop them from getting injured. Starting pitching in in Major League Baseball is is not quite as valuable in that way, but it's similar. And you can't Mm. just have every team's ace going out for 18 months because they've got to go and have Tommy John because they're throwing too many innings or they're throwing too quickly with these new rule changes. Mm. So it's interesting to see what happens. It might even be a case of the the, the teams see that they've got this asset. Like, look at Uri then for the Marlins. All of a sudden, you're trying to increase his secondary stuff so that he doesn't have to throw such gas. Yeah, like, a couple of miles off of it, and and condition your arm to to save that arm a little bit, and and that will that will happen slowly, very slowly if it ever does happen. But yeah, arm injuries for pitching has always been an issue, mm. but it does feel like that the modern pitcher right now is more susceptible, um, or put at more risk with the way that the the rules have have gone and the way the game has moved on with the velocity. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens because I, I think all these injuries certainly don't help the league um, with their with what they give to the fans. Yeah. Like it is a, ultimately, it's an entertainment vehicle. They're trying mm-hmm. to have as many eyeballs, and, and your stars help with that. Yeah, for sure. Fundamentally, the league the league wants they wanted more clubs in the postseason, and they wanted more teams competing for the postseason, which has worked. This like you got to look at it this year. Like that has worked. But when you're there, you want the stars of the game to be on the field too. You're not looking, you know. Ideally, you don't want you don't want you know Sandy Alcantara and Yuri Perez missing. You know that means that the Marlins are having to turn to maybe a bullpen game. You know, with Chagua starting and Sean Reynolds or something coming in, and you just you're thinking, man, this is not quite what we were looking for here. So, I'm intrigued. I think it's an intriguing situation. We're going to talk about what it means for the Marlins because. The last episode I recorded on Friday, um, I was looking back at the start that Sandy Alcantara had had, thinking, this looks positive. And since then, it, I mean, it was probably emergency podcast territory, but I've held it out to now. So we're going to talk about Sandy and talk about Yuri Perez too. Equally, you mentioned him too, Eddie Cabrera. We need to talk about the arms because these injuries and the innings limit maybe that Yuri Perez has faced into, you know, it, it was... It was essential that Eddie Cabrera could step up. And to be fair to him, he has. So we're going to talk about that shortly. But this episode, it, and listen, sound the klaxon, baby. It's a new sponsor. I love new sponsors. How about that? And it's our good friends over at DoorDash. Yes, sir. You love the convenience of getting what you want right to your door. With DoorDash grocery delivery, you can stock up for the week or order last-minute cravings conveniently. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites. Now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered or will make it right to sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you pick them yourself. 
Want even more? Well, you can save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a $0 delivery free uh, fee on all eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. So get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use the code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Limited time offer. Terms do apply. That's 50% off, up to 20 bucks, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONMLB. Don't forget, the code is LOCKEDONMLB for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. Okay, it's Monday, the 25th of September. You're joining me, Peter Pratt, and the UK GOAT, Sean Barrett. Before we talk about current arms, it's right for us, Sean, to remember a favorite arm of this organization. Seven-year anniversary uh, to the day uh, for the passing of Jose Fernandez. Um, he, For those that haven't heard this story before, I've only ever been to Lone Depot or Marlins Park back then once. I've only ever seen one Marlins game live. It was in May 2016. I didn't know anything about the Marlins at that point. But pitching that day was Jose Fernandez. This is the only, only starting pitcher for the Marlins I've ever seen live. Um, Jose Fernandez holds a very special place in all Marlins' hearts, particularly yours, Sean, as well. Um, I mean, you only have to look at your Twitter profile to know that. So, you know, this is always a hard time um, when we have to reflect, look back, remember Jose. But I know we did this last year. But equally, it's good to ask the same questions. You know, what what Jose means and meant to you as a Marlins fan? Yeah, I mean, he is and will always be my favourite player. And um, I try my best to look at it positively because it is still evidently very painful for me. Mm. Um, he brought me back. So 2012, the the Toronto trade, I kind of gave up on the Marlins and baseball because... My understanding was that Lauria and Samson had no interest in winning baseball. They had no interest in they had a they had an asset that would make them money no matter what mm. they did. Um, so I kind of gave up. Um, and then 2013 season starts and in comes Jose Fernandez and he's absolutely electric. He's absolutely fantastic. And mm. for me, it's not what he brought to the game on the field; it's what he brought off the field. Yep. His excitement, his enthusiasm, his enjoyment of baseball, it was so infectious and, and it brought mm-hmm. me back to baseball. Um, and yeah, his his passing evidently is still very painful for me, but I try to look back at it in a positive manner because mm. he is, to me, what you should be, what baseball should be about. It's a fun yeah. and the enjoyment. He played the game like a kid. Only mm. He played the game like a kid. And and that's that's how I try to watch baseball, play baseball, talk about baseball with yeah. the eyes of, of the child who loves this this game of baseball. No doubt, um, electric, electric guy, electric dude, electric on the field. Just you know, one in a million. To be honest with you, and everyone speaks so fondly about him. I remember um, talking with Glenn Geffner um, on Fish Across the Pond years ago, and you know, asked him, you know, what's you know, who's your favorite Marlin, and he. he you know, he didn't take long to think about it and to answer. He was straight out like, Jose, there's never been anyone like him. And, you know, huge, you know, loss for 
for many people, many families, for the for the fans, for the club, for baseball. Um, you know, still raw, I think. And there's a lot of there's there's a lot of images I think that that just come into your mind when you think of that situation. And for me, it's I, I always just think of that D Gordon home run that just it's it's crazy the way the world works the way i mean d was and we see the home run and for those that maybe don't remember this situation d actually went out there with i think jose's helmet on and took took like the first pitch of the of of the at bat like stood at the other side of the batter's box um and then for him dealing with all this emotion to then hit one out it's absolutely insane, to be honest with you. Right? For me, that's, I mean, every time I watch that video and that home run, always brings a tear to my eye every single time, every single time. But the sheer emotion, but I, it, it's just crazy the way the world works like that, where D Gordon could blast one out, mate, you know, and just tough situation for the for everyone involved in that. And, and still, I mean, what would what would Jose's career look like? It would just you know how many Cy Youngs could you know Jose Fernandez have have had? I mean he probably wouldn't have been a Marlin considering where we've been at with our development and rebuilds and whatnot. But I'm sure he would have been living his best life and um, you know likely would have locked down a couple of Cy Youngs. To be honest with you, he was you know what a fabulous pitcher for sure, mate. And uh, you know gone too soon, unfortunately. But you know there's. There's many images that do come into my mind. Is there anything, even like a a game, a moment, something in particular that really kind of, when you think of Jose Fernandez, is like bang? That's what you think of. There's for me, yeah. There's a there's a clip. Um, I'm pretty certain it was um, Tulowitzki hit a line drive up the middle, mm-hmm. and and Jose snags it, and and Tulo looks at him in, in shock and goes, "Did you?" Catch that, and then you could just see that it's such a nice moment between the two of them. Just to just you know, again, the happiness that baseball yeah. can can bring you. Um, he, he genuinely enjoyed the game so yeah. so much. Um, and yeah, you're right, he probably wouldn't be a Marlin right now, he'd probably be in pinstripes or out in LA somewhere. But yeah, yeah, so young awards, yeah, at least two, absolutely. Ireland. And that's and that, I don't even think. That's a biasy. Just like no. if, if there are younger fans or fans that haven't been a Marlins fan for a long time, go and have a look at his stats. Hmm. They are they are just electric numbers. Um, and he he was growing every year. He was growing in his development, as, as you'd expect, obviously. But yeah. he came out of the, the shoot in 2013, um, Rookie of the Year, obviously, was yeah. was immense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it's interesting, right, because... You know, we've had Yuri Perez this season, you know, who's called up in advance of what you'd expect, but, you know, at times looked electric also. Like, different type of personality, though, right? Like, that that's the thing, is, like, Jose's personality, the way he held himself, you know, on and off the field and, you know, lived life to its fullest, let's say, and, you know, it was just a bundle of energy. Yuri Perez is a different character, clearly, but... On the field, though, there there must be some comparisons you draw, perhaps, to you know, young dude coming up, and you know, making himself at home on the biggest of stages. And you know, I think it's it's interesting that the Marlins maybe have another guy in a similar mold. You know, it's crazy that Yuri Press is only twenty. Um, it completely astounds me, to be honest with you. So, what kind of parallels do you draw between 
um, Yuri Perez and, and Jose Fernandez. He he absolutely deserves it for for his, his on the field performance. He does deserve that comparison. Um, mm. Personality wise, it's different. He's, you know, we've seen a bit of personality from him, and he he seems like he'll, he'll grow into that. I think a bit like Sandy. Sandy was super yeah. quiet when he first came over, so. I think we'll see some growth through it. The only reason I've stopped myself from making that comparison is because I remember it might not have been on here, it might have been on Fish Cross the Pond, but we talked about Sixto and and how exciting he was. And I'm I think I I didn't quite go with a comparison, mm. but I came close to it, and then we saw what happened. Um, mm. So I feel like for me, uh, and I expect him to continue to perform the way he's performed. I think he is an electric arm. I think he is the real deal. Um, but I think ultimately comparing anybody to Jose Fernandez is 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 unfair because you're mm. you're you're comparing him against um, quite literally a ghost. You you can't you can't compare people to to Jose simply because he's got that you know he's in he's in our heads in a way that no no player can ever deliver on. So yeah. I think Uri's, yeah, his, his talent, his ability um, is going to be really exciting to watch over the next couple of years. But Agreed. I think there needs to be a distinction between the real and the, the, the past. Yep. Well said, sir. Well said. Um, let's do our final ad. And then let's talk about some modern day pitching. I particularly want to talk about um, Eddie Cabrera. We're running long on this episode, longer than expected, but that's partly down to my time management, which always seems to be off. Nevertheless, this episode is brought to you by Sleeper, and the Major League Baseball playoffs are around the corner, and your Miami Marlins are in the thick of it, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to 100 times up your cash on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now, with studs like Acuna, like Betts and Otani. Someone needs to change the script here. Someone does. Come on. Anyway, <laughs> pick more or less on stats for these stars like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more for up to 100 times payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right, and you could win big time. Here's what you got to do. you got to use this promo code if you're listening. Promo code is locked on, and you'll get up to 100 bucks matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Okay, final segment here. Monday's episode with the UK GOAT, Sean Barrett. I'm myself, Peter Pratt. Sean, when you talk about Eddie Cabrera, um, for me, the pressure was on. And there was a few moments in that Brewers game where, the, you know, it was flashes of greatness is almost as how I would describe it with Eddie Cabrera. There was a specific pitch um, to Christian Yelich. I believe it was nearly a 96-mile-an-hour changeup for strike three. Christian Yelich swung the bat, didn't get anywhere near it. He looked like he was swinging a bat blindfolded. That's how beaten he was. Yelich, you know, turned around, strolled to the dugout. He didn't know where he was. He looked like Ozzy Albies against the Marlins in that game one. He looked drunk. That's what Eddie Cabrera was making guys look. He was making Christian Yelich look drunk at the plate. He was that good. Sean, Eddie Cabrera's had a very up and down year, it's fair to say. Um, but in probably the biggest spot when the Marlins truly needed him. Just how impressed have you been with the way that Eddie's been able to come up and deliver for this club and just keep it rolling because they need arms and they need, they need quality innings badly. So for me, this is huge. 
yeah, innings the, the is the main thing for me. Mm. So he went five innings um, and then five and a third in the previous game against the Mets. Um, that's the most length he's given the Marlins in back-to-back starts since back in June. The walks, we yeah. talked about the walks. And he was in a weird stretch where it was six walks, two walks, six walks, one walk. He was like mm-hmm. a good game, bad game, good bad game, bad game. Yeah. Two back-to-back games of two walks and one walk. Like that's less... That's his his area. We know the stuff's good. Like as you said, he makes Yelich look stupid. Mm. Three strikeouts in the game for Yelich as well. He had a really tough game as well. Yeah. So yeah, I mean at this point, five five and a third, five and two thirds. That's kind of what the Marlins need from Eddie. If they could get six out of him, that'd be fantastic. But yeah, yeah, five innings, one or two walks. Uh, you know he's going to get a cape nine at least. Um, that's that's where the moms are now. They they you've got to look at every single start and say like, the, what can you realistically expect from these guys? Like, yes, I'd love these guys to go for seven, eight, nine innings and all that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. So for me, that's that's where Eddie's lane is. Um, and yeah. then obviously at this point, with the way the arms are, he is a wildcard series starting pitcher for the Marlins. He is. That was going to be my question, mate, is, you know, listen, if, if we make this wildcard series, it's obviously, you know, three-game series, so we may not need three, um, you know, in, in a good way and maybe a bad way, but, you know, it's it's possible the Marlins get, get a sweep done. I don't know, but let's assume there's three starters required. You know, Eddie Cabrera is going to be pitching in one of those three games. I, I mean, it'll depend on who they've had to use maybe in the final in the 1-6-2 and how the, the, the arms line up because the reality is the Marlins can't cruise this in. They'll they'll have to go. They've got six games to go. They've effectively got three starters um, to somehow, and then they've got to try and piece together probably two bullpen games in there as well to keep it rolling. You know, it's such a tough ask, but a three game series. Eddie Cabrera's pitching in there, right? Like he, it, it's it's nailed on at this point. No Sandy, no Yuri, no Trevor Rogers, Cueto. They've clearly kind of deviated away from he's now back into mop-up duty Cabrera's in yeah I mean it's, it's going to be Lizardo Cabrera and, and Garrett I mean depends on which way around you want to do it I mean if, yeah. if Eddie's not the number three and and the Marlins sweep will get swept then obviously he wouldn't be a pitch but pitcher for them but mm-hmm. I think yeah to expect a two win sweep I mean I'd love it but realistically the Marlins are going to need all three um Especially with the you know the bullpen is going to be tested over that series because it is. apart from Lazardo, who you might be able to squeak six out of the other two, are, they, you know, again expectations they're going to go four or five innings, especially in playoff baseball. Yeah, like if, if you're if you start a game and Lazardo struggles through two innings, clearly hasn't got it, then you have to make a move. Yeah, it's not a case of oh well. You know, if, if you're struggling in the first two innings, you're, you're going to lose this game. Can't think like that in the playoffs. Every game is a must-win game, so mm. it will be really challenging if, if the Marlins struggle um, early in a game because we see what happens in playoff baseball. You make that move. Yeah. You end up using arms that maybe you, you don't want to use um, every single day. But, yeah, the, the bullpen's going to get tested in that situation because the Marlins simply don't have a trustable long man like if you've got five, if you've got five guys in your rotation and one of your guys clearly doesn't have it, you bring in your fourth or fifth starter. Exactly. Marlins they haven't got that either of them. It's Quato. Like I trust Lazardo on a bad day over Quato on a good Me day. Too. So, um, yeah, all three will 
definitely be needed for sure. But they absolutely will be needed. Um, you, you raise an interesting point about the bullpen. I think what we've seen with the pen in general recently is, you know, the pattern has emerged now in terms of where we're up to. And what we know is Tanner Scott's getting the ninth and he's he had a couple of wobbles, it's fair to say, um, in the in the last week. But he's back at it, which is great. Andrew Nardi's getting the eighth. And the seventh kind of depends, but it seems like Robertson seems to have kind of fell into that role, a little bit kind of Anthony Bassey, where didn't work in the ninth, getting back in the seventh. And actually, and this is what I said when when we were kind of picking the bones out of what's gone wrong here with Robertson. It was like, Robertson was never supposed to be the closer for the Mets. He just ended up having to do it because, you know, no one else was around that could. But Robertson's best role is maybe away from the ninth. And actually, the seventh maybe is perfect for him. And so, listen, the trade itself, when you look back and you go, the Marlins were trying to add a closer, a shutdown closer, and maybe Robertson was felt like the best one available. What they've maybe ended up doing is finding the best closer available, but he was already in-house. And actually, what they've added is the best seventh-inning guy available because they probably didn't want to go back to Anthony Bass um, at this point. So it may work out. Crazily, it may work out in a, in a decent way. Robertson seems to have settled down. Let me just ask you, and we'll finish the, this episode here um, on this topic. What has happened to AJ Puck? I, I lost my mind the other night where Puck again gave up another home run. It was a game-tying home run, a three-run blast. The Marlins did end up managing to find a way to win that game. But man, oh man, it was a massive spot, big spot in the season. AJ Puck, another bomb. Like... I have no idea what's happened to AJ Puck, but the drop-off has just been, it's been so steep. Um, But the reality, going back to what we talked about, though, we're going to need Puck in a lot of high-leverage spots and maybe multi-innings Puck as well to try to eat up some innings. Like, I'm I'm intrigued to see, do they maybe push the ticket with Puck? Do they maybe push the ticket with Matt Moore? Not to segue into another guy, but, you know, Matt Moore has had experience of starting. You know, he actually looked good on yesterday's game in particular, I must say. Um, but AJ Puck, mate, I'm left scratching my head on what 2023 has been for him. I, I actually have no answers. Do you have any? I don't. I mean, that, that home run per nine is is super high, and the mm. home run to fly ratio is, is quite inflated as well. So he's he's got. It's hard to say unlucky because sometimes you look at a guy's home run to fly ratio and go, "Oh, they're just getting unlucky. Every fly ball is leaving the park," but. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why every fly ball is leaving the park. You've been leaving meatballs out in the middle. This is um, it. It's got to the point where now, like in the playoffs again, specifically when games are going to be close, they're going to be tight. I mean, when Marlins fans were used to tight games, all these one win, uh, run, wins, one run wins and one yeah. run losses. Try and get that one out. It <laughs> have been the storyline for a couple of years now for the Marlins. So they're going to be close games. So a guy giving up home runs. Um, in leverage spots is going to cost the Marlins game. So, and yep. Robertson, you're right. He's he's found a home in the seventh inning, but he's also pitched really well. So in September, t- sub two and a half ERA. Yep, he has pitched really well. Um, and and we spoke a couple of weeks ago about him and saying that yes, he didn't live in the in the closer role, but he's going to have a role. He's going to have a job. He's going to have he's going to contribute to wins for the Marlins. And so far, through the month of September, he's pitched in a positive way. So. 
Definitely. At what point do you go, do I trust Robertson over Puck? And, and that might sound a bit perverse because he really wasn't good in leverage spots. But no. you get to the point where Puck's starting to play himself out of those leverage spots. Um, just so lucky right now for the Marlins that Scott's delivering in, in that closer role because no doubt. he seems to have, have just taken that and run with it. So that's a really good thing to see. Like Again, the, the, the leverage pen's been used so much as has yep. the whole bullpen over the whole of the season. Again, the season's long. So it, it would be a shame if, if the season comes down to struggling because they've been overused. But ultimately, that's, again, the nature of the modern-day baseball, isn't it? Yeah, you, it is. You can go into a season saying you've got too many arms, and then you get to September and you're scratching. So the only, the only solace we can have, as you said earlier, is every team's dealing with this right now. Yep. It's just about grinding your way through these wins and and seeing where we land. Because we, look, no matter what happens now, the Marlins get swept uh, in the next two series, go on six and, and burn out at the end. I've still had a fantastic season. Um, I have too. And, and the growth from, from some of the younger players, some of the development, first year of skip, it's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. So uh, I see enough to, sh- to show that next year can actually still be better even with the potential losses of, of Soler and maybe Sandy, let's hope not. Um, there's a lot of development on the younger end of this of this team that show a lot of excitement for next year. So yeah. let's enjoy this. It's late September. We're, yeah. we're competing for the playoffs. But if they don't quite make it, I've still had a hell of a ride. I also have. Like, you know, we started this this episode talking about this topic like 162 it's been a wild wild ride because of all those one run dubs you know there's been so much voodoo sprinkled in there like it's I, I'm I'm stunned actually the Marlins aren't already in they feel like they've been the luckiest team in the history of baseball somehow and um still haven't claimed their spot I'm just going to put it on record now finish this episode here and uh, we're actually going with a, a double header here. Sean's uh, back for the Tuesday episode as well. So we're going to carry on this conversation, which uh, everyone will be, be pleased about as well. But I'm going to put it on record right now. I, I, I just can't see a way where the Marlins don't make it. It just feels written. You know, one of them situations where you look back and you go, the Marlins are making this like the way the bounce of the ball's been, the way things have happened, like, it's they're gonna they're gonna have to do it the tough way, the hard way, and they've run out of arms. They got basically a, a three man rotation or a two and a half man rotation. They've got a closer and you know a few other bullpen arms. Like they're trying their best. The rises in a walking boot. Jay Berger's got a quad issue. You know they they're banged up. Everyone's banged up. But I just it's written. It's written that the Marlins are gonna make it, and it's probably not gonna be that pretty this week, to be honest with you. But six games to go. And, I mean, imagine if the Marlins just stroll into New York and sweep the Mets or something. I mean, that would put the cat amongst the pigeons. And they may need to. Who knows? Who knows what the other clubs do? But I just think the way things are going this year, the Marlins are getting in. And frankly, when they're in, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Um, Sean, that's been a lot of fun. Thank you for joining me on Monday's episode of Locked on Marlins. Uh, As I've already mentioned and teased out, we are going to be back. On Tuesday, we have got a Tuesday episode coming. We will look very similar um, to what we are looking like right now because we're probably going to hit record in about five minutes' time as well. But nevertheless, thank you for joining us on Monday's episode, and we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. See you then.